It's the story of Jesus calming the storm. Then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Without warning, a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. He replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Diana, we're looking forward to whatever God has uh, helped you to prepare. Uh, if you've not come across Diana Hunt, then you are in for such a great treat. Uh, I count Diana as a personal friend. Uh, Diana has been used mightily by God to uh, pray for me, to come alongside me, to encourage me, to help me to grow and develop in the ministry that God's given me. Uh, so thank you for your personal encouragement. Um, Diana used to live in Claverdon, and I've already spotted a number of Clavendonites. You've come to, yes, they are waving, you're there over there, that's good, there's a few more over there, I think, yes, I've seen you down there, that's great. Diana uh, currently lives in Malvern with her husband, beautiful uh, place, a place of healing, isn't it, with all those um, spas, etc. And also Diana just has such a great heart to help uh, people to discover more of the healing of God. She's uh, very active in the Christian in prayer ministries, which is uh, very much in this area. So, Diana, it's lovely to have you, and over to you with whatever you want to do. I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. There's <laughs> a glass of water yes, there. I think I'll move it, just if that's all right. Now, does, does this work? Have I got it on? Yes? It's very hard to follow an introduction like that. Very hard indeed. Very gracious of you, Anne. Um, it's true. Oh, well, uh, thank you. It's, it's true, and I suppose we have to accept, and like you said, the presence of God is here. Isn't that it? We're all sitting in the presence of God. And our bit is to reach out to the tangible presence of God. And I love being here because of the sense of expectation and the sense of prayer. And I'm speaking about storms, so I thought I'd just tell you about a little storm I had last week. Yes? Um, you've got your microphone upside down. Oh, well, that would explain. It's a good thing to tell me at the beginning, not the end, isn't it? Do you think, has that made it better? We're all right. Good. Okay. Well, I don't get things right. I was making dams and jam. Well, uh, well, it just needed another 10 minutes, just to, because mine doesn't set very well, so I thought, another 10 minutes? Okay, so I went out for three and a half hours, and I came back. <laughs> oh dear, it was, it was all a mistake, really. Whole house, every room filled with smoke. You couldn't believe it. Oh, every room, oh golly. Uh, the oven had somehow fused itself, I'm delighted to say. Tripped the switch which means that the house is still standing. Um, if it hadn't, 
I think I would have had a big storm. As it is, this is a little storm. This is a blip. It's an expensive storm, and it's very smelly. My house still smells. Um, somebody said, oh, wood smoke. I said, not really, no. <laughs> anyway, so storms. What, we all have storms, hopefully not dams and jam storms. What sort of things am I talking about? That, that really, in the scheme of things, is a blip. The sort of, you know what storms are. They're things like uh, diagnosis that doesn't work, people who are sick or not getting better, friend of mine, a grandchild's been born handicapped, and I've watched her come to church, changing colour, how haggard, you know, she's going through a heck of a journey. Marriage, breakup, redundancy, you know, those are storms. Hopefully, we're not all in a storm. Some of us will have had storms and have finished storms, or, or there won't be any at the minute. But we all need to know what to do with storms. And so we've got this extraordinary story. Um, it's extraordinary. I'll tell you, the story is, you see, um, the disciples in the boat with Jesus, including Peter, James, and John, who were experienced fishermen. They were on Lake Galilee, and a storm blew up. Now, that is because Galilee is surrounded by mountains with a sort of gap in the mountains. The wind whistles down and makes great big storms at a very sudden, instantly sort of thing. And they were afraid. They were afraid they were going to drown. The, the, another version says, Lord, don't you care that we perish? I like that better than the drown bit. Don't you care? We, we're actually about to drown. And Jesus gives the most extraordinary reply. I just said, oh gosh, you know, where's the bucket? He says, before he stills this storm, he says to them, why are you afraid? Have you no faith? Then he stills the winds and the waves and says, peace, be still. And I bet you at that moment, it was absolutely still. And all you could hear was dripping, dripping of the sails and their hair and their clothes and the water sloshing about their feet. And it says, then the disciples were terrified. Who is this? Who is this? That even the winds and the waves obey him. And they'd, they'd had a day, if you read just a few verses further back, they'd had a day in Capernaum, which was Peter's home, and it says they brought him all who were sick and he healed them all. I mean, what a day. So they must have been some of Peter's friends, people he went to school with, people he knew well in that village. They'd seen Jesus heal them all. Wow. So they knew he was great. But they were terrified by this. And what's Jesus' answer for storms? Well, his answer isn't the answer I want to give you. It isn't the answer you want to receive. He says, have you no faith? Didn't you know there was another way other than being afraid in this storm? He's not saying, why are you afraid? He knows exactly why they're afraid. He's saying, why are you afraid? Because there's something greater. Hadn't you seen that? Have you forgotten? It's not an easy message, this bit. Really, isn't it? Reminds me of my daughter once, um, when she was a teenager. She said to me, well, Mum, what are you going to speak about then? 
So I sat her down and I told her. She listened hard and she said, well, you don't want to be invited back, do you? (laughs) So there you go. And I feel a bit like that. I'd like to give you an easier answer than that. But Jesus' answer is a surprising one. And yet, and yet, actually, it's the only one that really works. He's given this answer before. If you go back, Matthew 6, he says, um, don't be anxious what you shall eat, what you shall drink, what you shall wear. This bit's much nicer, isn't it? For your heavenly Father knows. So don't worry about the everyday stuff. Amazing how topical Jesus is, because we've all thought today about what you eat, drink, and wear, haven't you? And there he is saying it. So it's, it's everyday stuff. Huh, wouldn't it be wonderful if we trusted in all the little, little, everyday stuff? Then we'd be, and that's having faith. It's not trust it because you can fix it. It's trust it because God's bigger than it. If we did it in the everyday, we might find the storms easier. Anyway, so he says it in Matthew 6. Then later on, there's another time they're on the lake. And it's night, and um, they see Jesus. They think he's a ghost. They're terrified, and Jesus says, don't be afraid, it is I, which is actually one sentence of, of the heart of the whole thing. Don't be afraid, it is I. Peter says, wow, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. So Jesus says, come. Out he gets, walks on the water all the way looking at Jesus. And that's such a wonderful thing. Then he looks at the winds and the waves. He begins to sink. He he calls out, Lord, save me. And Jesus says, why are you afraid? Peter, you've walked on the water. Why didn't you keep your eyes on me? If you kept your eyes on me, we could have walked back. Oh, man of little faith. Where are you focused? And then... Then John, in, in John 14, it's the Last Supper. And at the Last Supper, Jesus knows what's going to happen. The others don't. They don't really know at all. He knows tomorrow he's going to die publicly and be tortured. It's as dire as it gets. It doesn't get worse than public torture and death tomorrow. And the disciples who were sitting there having supper, he knew their dreams were about to be broken and they were going to watch him die and be afraid and run. So what does he say? What does he say? What comfort is he going to give them? What, What anchor is he going to give them? What does he say? He says, let not your hearts be troubled. Really? Why not? Why not? I'll tell you why not. Believe in God. This is Jesus' answer. Believe also in me. And he goes on to tell them how special they are. And then he says, peace I leave with you. This, isn't, this, is, this is in this situation. <laughs> peace I leave with you. The last thing you'd think that would be there, wouldn't you? My peace I give to you, not as the world gives give I unto you, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let it be afraid. It's amazing stuff. Amazing stuff. I'll tell you the truth, sometimes I don't want to trust. Last week, actually, something went a bit wrong, and um, I found myself praying, Lord, I don't want to trust 
is there a plan B? Couldn't you just change them? It was someone else I was, I was you know, wanted to change them. It'd be a brilliant idea if they changed. <laughs> so I jumped up and down, as it were, and, and said this to God for a bit. And then I thought, this isn't the right prayer. He's not going to answer this one. Now, God may change people, but it's as though my vision's that big. And he's saying, look, that's my prayer, change them. And he's saying, widen it, widen it. You know, hand this to me and trust me to be at work in it. This is a bit of an aside, but do you know how I worked out, and you can work it out, how God is at work in you? I had a look and I thought, I bet you God's not at work in me. I'll tell you what I concluded, that he couldn't be at work in everywhere else except me. So, that, so God is at work in each of you because he can't be at work in the whole world and not you. So, so God is, oh, Simon Ponsonby, I went to New Wine, he, he, said, he, he said a speaker gave him this advice for life and for, for speaking. He said, now, Simon, I'll give you two bits of advice. One is never invade Russia in winter, which, I mean, how random is that? And Simon said, oh, yeah, right. He said, and the other is never tell the, the audience what you're going to tell them, because once you've told them, they won't listen. Anyway, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell you a little bit. <laughs> We've got three anchors when life's impossible. It's trusting God's greatness first. So, um, you need a bit of imagination. You've got some imagination, haven't you? This represents God, you see, or it represents the greatness of God. Now, let's have a look. Oh, I've got to be the other side of it. (laughs) There we go. Um, Yes, I never was in the Girl Guides, but anyway. Now, up this end... We'll have this end as, as this is God in all his glory. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And it's, it's, just, it's just one end where it's, we're thinking about the greatness of God. And down this end, we're thinking about the detail of God. God says, your name is written on the palm of my hand. He said, the hairs on your head are numbered. That's poetry for every detail matters. There's there's a prayer we say in church, and it's, it's up this end, and it says, yours, Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the splendor, and the majesty. I love that one. For everything in heaven and earth is yours. And down here, Jesus says, there was a man who had 100 sheep. One got lost. Actually, I think 99's plenty. Who wants a lost one anyway? But he didn't take that attitude. He said, no, every last one is important. Even if it's not important to me, it's important to God. Every last one. And I like programs on stars and things. And they, they've sent a, a camera in a rocket to the furthest outer end of the universe. And do you know what they found? They found a light. And it says it's bigger than 10,000 galaxies. Really? Do you know that number falls out of both sides of my head? It doesn't... Don't, can you understand a light bigger than 10? You know, it's beyond, far beyond anything we can dream of. And then, then um, J. John told us about a man who, who said, yes, I've studied snowflakes for 30 years or something. How do you study snowflakes? Anyway, never mind. He'd studied them, and he said... Every snowflake's different? Yep. You get two snowflakes in two test tubes. They're both different, right? Fine. You melt them down to two drops of water? Yep. You make them snowflakes again? 
and they go back to the same design as they were. What, what a God we've got. And I can only get part of this. I have to go this side now. Do you see? I, oh, well, never mind. Don't worry about that. Do you see? I, even if I stretch right out, I can't encompass God. None of us can. We're miles and miles too small. We can understand. We can worship and praise like the praise group. And then you're up this end. And when you're praying for parking spaces, you're down this end. <laughs> but, but you haven't, we haven't got it together. Do you see? God's so much greater than you think. He fuses the system. However big your God is, he's, you haven't begun to grasp. St. Paul says, what does he say? That you may be strong to grasp with all God's people what is the length and breadth and height and depth of the love of God and know it, although it is beyond knowledge. In other words, you'll, you'll experience the love of God forever and ever and you won't get to the end of it. So God's bigger than we think. That's why you can trust him in a storm. That's why he was saying, why are you afraid? Have you no faith? Jesus, of course, has been to heaven and come back, so he knows what it's like. But have you no faith in God's greatness? Hmm. I can't um, type and I can't read my writing, so we have slightly interesting bits, you see, in these talks. So the next point (laughs) is God's greatness. And there's God's love for me. Now, some of you won't be at the point of thinking, oh, yeah, God loves me. Some of you will feel a bit like this. This is a vest. (laughs) It's what people wear underneath. If you knew what I was like underneath, would you like me? Do you see one of these? And sometimes... There are lies, and we, other people think we're like this, and we may think we're like this, but actually that is never, ever, ever how God sees us. He gives a scruffy old prodigal who hadn't got his act together, he gives him a robe of righteousness and a ring, and he says, you're my son, and you're, I'm delighted to see you. I'm not sure I would have been, but he is. He's thrilled to see his son. Why? Well, the interesting thing is, he's thrilled to see him because he's his son. You see, who are we? If I tell you who you are, you might not be- Those of you who are not sure won't believe it. So I'll tell you who I am. Or who I'm... Yeah, who have I been introduced as? Well, Anne's friend. I'm very happy with that. Somebody says to me, I'm, I'm Paul's wife. Somebody else said to me, oh, you're Ros's mum. Well, I am. Ros. Ros, the one who didn't... Who wondered why I who said I would never be invited back, actually confirmed, reconfirmed her baptism vows here. So that was a little miracle. Anyway, that was a, that's an aside. Who am I? I'm Rosie's mum. We used to have a dog called Wags. And I remember a child saying to me, oh, you're Wags's mummy. <laughs> well, I am. I'm Wags's mummy, you know. Yet I have a deeper identity, deeper than my passport. You could steal my passport and probably fake my identity, but I have an identity that you cannot take away from me. It's the identity of a loved child of God. Now, how did I get that? And I'll just tell you, 
if I die and, arrive, and when I arrive in heaven, they won't say, well, this is Wags's mummy. They will say, she's, she's my identity. That's the one thing I'm taking to heaven. My identity will be unchanged. I will still be amazingly, amazingly a loved child of God. And my mum's muddled, so she's forgotten who she is. Ha! But God hasn't forgotten who she is. She's still. It, it, her identity as a child transcends however muddled you get. So how did I get like that? Well, years ago, I went to some meeting and they said, you know, if you want to know Jesus, come forward. And I thought, yeah, I really would like to know Jesus. That would be wonderful. Surrender your life to him. So I went forward and I said, Lord, I surrender my life to you. I want to know you. I didn't repent because nobody told me you were supposed to repent. That came later. I don't think you have to repent on day one anyway, but we won't go into that. But it says, to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. In other words, God will have anybody. The bar is very low. To all who received him, all who say, yeah, Jesus, I want to know you. Who believed in him, this is the son of God. And you surrender your life, he'll have us, all of us. Gosh, what an identity. It is such a special thing. So that's who each of you is. A loved child of God. Now you, some of you have been told other things. You may have been told things that equate with this ear vest. God says, no, no. And you think, you're not the prodigal, but if he treats the prodigal like that, how much more does he treat all his children? Dust them down, give them a robe of righteousness. They're my child. And if you want to know a little, um, little illustration on earth, look at a mother with a, a new child. This is a good mother. They love them. Now, and I suppose it's not a secret, but babies are smelly and they wake you up in the night and they have runny noses and they're difficult sometimes. Why do mothers love them? Because they're the most beautiful? Because they've done something very clever? No. They love them because they're, they're their own child. I was talking with a mum who wasn't a Christian, who, who was so sweet to this runny-nosed little child of hers, and she said... And about how can God love me? And I said, well, you know how you love your child? That wasn't difficult for her. She could understand that. I said, well, that's an echo of God. Just a little echo. God loves you much, much more than that. Because you're his child. Not because you're good. Not because you're nice. Not because you're clever. Not because you've done anything. It's amazing. I'll tell you, it's the only faith like that. All other faiths, you've got to be good. And here God says, no, because you're born. It says, when you become a child of God, you're born into his kingdom, born of God. When you're born, you don't get unborn. And because I'm born as a child of God, he loves me. It's almost too good to be true, except it is true. Which is why you are infinitely precious. Jesus says, you are precious in my eyes and honoured and I love you. Now, you do not find this, I don't find this, by looking in the mirror. You look at it in the scriptures, he says, in the Bible, he says, you, 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 
are honoured and I love you. And I'm not going away, I'm not going on holiday, and I'm not going off you. And I know what your vest is like underneath, and I still love you. And it doesn't make... Fianci, in this book, um, What's So Amazing About Grace, he's got the most beautiful phrase. Nothing you can do will make God love you more. If you look at a mother with a little child, nothing the baby can do would increase the love of that mother. Nothing you can do also will make God love you less. This is a central, inner, safe place, which is unique. There is nowhere else like this in the world. And in our own lives, it's good to go back to it and back to it and back to it. And sometimes you need to, when, you, when the world goes all disgruntled, you know, and everybody's cross with you or you burnt a jam or something, you know, you need to go back to it and back to it. The other anchor, so I've given you, I mentioned two, the greatness of God. Trust in the greatness of God. Trust in his love for you. God might, just to finish that, God might, is actually the only person who loves us like this. Everyone else has conditions. And it's unique and precious. Go back to it. It's, it's a wondrous love. So we've talked about the greatness of God. We've talked about your unique... It's trusting God's greatness, trusting his love, and then trusting his presence. His presence changes everything. There would be lots and lots of you who, if I said to you, if you've gone through a storm in your life and the presence of God has changed it, stand up. I'm not going to answer that. Lots of you would stand because lots of you know the presence of God changes things. Jesus was in their boat. They didn't have to go and find him, send him an email, where's Jesus, where's Jesus? He was there. He may have been asleep, but he was the only one who knew what was happening. So your life is like a boat, and Jesus is in it. He's not gone. And he's not going, and he doesn't go to sleep, and he doesn't go away, and he doesn't go on holiday. And he's always there. Um, I learned the verse. It's the last verse of Matthew. So if you have problems finding it, it's the last verse of Matthew. Jesus says to the disciples, All power in heaven and on earth is given to me. Does this still work? Oh, yes, it does, doesn't it? If you shake it, it makes a funny noise. But it didn't seem right. All power in heaven and earth is given to me. Go you therefore. And then he says, and I am with you always to the end of the age. Don't know when that is, but it's, he's with us. What a promise. He says in John, I will not leave you desolate. I will come to you. That's a lovely one. I like that. If you have desolate times, I will not leave you desolate. He's not saying no storms, no desolate times. That is not theology. Neither is it real life. Real life is there are storms, there are desolate times, there's, there's, there are dire times, and he is with us. I will, not leave you, I will not leave you desolate. I will come to you. Psalm 23 um, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, which is a pretty grim place, even there, 
your right hand will lead me. Your rod and your staff will comfort me, which means strengthen me, and your right hand will lead me. I'm not going, God says, whatever you're going through, whatever path you're on. Um, When we first got married, we went to live in Iran, which was then a nice, sunny, safe place. A long time ago this was. And um, there was a revolution. And the, the, most of you are far too young to remember. But anyway, the Shah left and Ayatollah Khomeini came. And it was a very, very uncertain time. People got murdered and all sorts of things went pretty wrong. <clears throat> and I had one verse. We were there through the revolution. I had one verse. It's my, one of my very favorites. It's Isaiah 41.10. And it says, fear not, for I am with you. Don't be afraid, for I am your God. I will help you. I will strengthen you. I will uphold you with my victorious right hand. He's saying, it's like he's saying to the disciples, so why are you afraid? A man of little faith. I Fear not, for I am with you. Don't be afraid. I am your God. He's saying, whatever you're going through, I'm greater than that. He's not saying no troubles. He's saying, whatever you're going through, I am greater than that. And I will help you, I will strengthen you, and I will uphold you. And I learned that verse. Actually, I paid my kids 50p to learn that verse. I think all children should be bribed with a good bit of 50p. Maybe the rates have gone up now, but why not? Learn it. It's the best 50p's worth they'll ever have, I tell you. So I learned that verse, taught it to our children. And I addressed everything with my one verse. What about all sorts of things happened? And I would say that apart from two times, I went through in peace, the peace of the Lord. Peace I give you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives. It's certainly not like a world's peace. The world's peace is when everything's quiet and nice. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your hearts be troubled. How can that be possible? Because God's greater than what you face. There is a way of faith. There is a way of trust, which you have to practice in the everyday stuff, like what you should eat, what you should drink, what you should wear. Find God in that. You can find God in the bigger stuff. He said, I'm the resurrection and the life. He said, I've come to give you life in all its fullness. I've come to give you much more than you ever dream of. If you look at me, you can walk on water. You can come with me. Keep your eyes fixed on me. He's talking, I'm not talking about real walking on water. I'm talking about metaphorically, you can walk through where you are with the presence of God. And his presence changes everything. How long have I got? Anyway, I'll tell you this bit rather than read it. And there was a, actually an Irani woman who was in England, a Muslim, <clears throat> and she had a vision of God. She was very, very down. She was thinking about suicide. Everything had gone wrong. And she called out to God and nothing had happened. And she had a dream. And in her dream, I'll just read you this little bit. This is, she saw Jesus. Where's it gone? I saw bright light coming towards me. As it came near, it formed into a shape, the shape of a person. He was dressed in white, and gradually I could see his face more clearly. His face was full of love, just love. 
I don't know why I thought it was Jesus, but somehow I knew he was. I said, Jesus, and he looked at me and nodded. From the way he looked at me, I knew he really was Jesus. His face was full of love. He reached out and put his hand on my shoulder. And then he said, don't be afraid. I am with you. And she goes on to describe how the vision faded. But everything, I was so happy. My heart seemed to have come alive. Everything seemed completely different. Why? Because she, nothing actually had changed. But because the presence of Jesus was in it. And how do you do this? You do this by faith. You don't do it by feelings. You you certainly don't do it by feelings. It's a bit like I plant bulbs, or I've just planted some, to come up in the spring. Now, if I was going to do it by by sight, I would go and have a look at my bulbs every day from now to the next six months, and there would be absolutely nothing. And the snow comes, and you think, oh, no, what's happened to my bulbs? You don't do it by sight. If I went out every day to look for my bulbs, you'd say, well, you silly idiot. What, just forget about it and wait till the spring comes. You don't do it by sight. You don't do it by feelings. Feelings are very unreliable. There are days I feel like a cat with his first stroke backwards. I just do for some reason. I feel as though the only answer to life is chocolate. It's not, a, it's not a very good thing. And, and I have to bring my skewed life in time with what is, what, what does God say? More chocolate? No, he says, look, Diana, you are my loved child. I am with you. Oh, says me, staring out of my fog. Do you see what I mean? You bring, you, you, so you do, you surrender the situation you're in to God. You give up the control of it. Now that might mean that there's a lot of pain underneath. So you invite Jesus into the pain. You invite Jesus into the anger. Whatever negative stuff is underneath, you bring that to Jesus. Don't pretend it's not there, because he knows it's, it's there. He knows what my vest's like underneath, and he doesn't mind at all. He's never going off us. So I, I could say what I really think. I can bring that to him in surrender. Lord, I bring my anger. I bring my pain, my sorrow, my fear, my, 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 whatever it is. And I'm going to decide to trust you. And it can be an anchor through your storm that can change wherever you are. Somebody ages ago gave me a prayer, which is what I'm going to read. Um, I showed it to someone else and she said, oh, it'll take me weeks to pray that. Oh, I don't think I can pray that. I said, well, anyway, never mind. We're going to pray it. Or I'm going to pray it. And you join in your heart. So it says, be silent. Be still. Alone. Empty. Before your God. Say nothing. Ask nothing. Be silent. Be still. Let your God look upon you. That's all. He knows. He understands. He loves you with an enormous love. 
He only wants to look upon you with his love. Quiet. Still. Be. Let your God love you. Amen.